Welcome back to I've Been Hornswoggled, the podcast about waking up from a narcissist-induced nightmare. It is December 21st, 2021, and I am your host, Harena. I welcome you to my podcast journal where I share my awakening from my narcissist-induced nightmare. Hornswoggled means to trick or deceive someone, and let me tell you, I have definitely been hornswoggled by someone so close to me, and to be honest, many people, because I had a narcissist parent, that opened me up to other narcissists coming like a magnet, so she, and even possibly my dad, who's passed away now, you know, it's... It's really un it's really unknown how many of them has crossed my path. I know I dated a few. So but the one that did the most damage was my mom. I have decided to share my experience only to offer support to others who are going through the same thing that my family and I are, not to diagnose anyone, not to tell you how to live your life, but uh, each of us have our own journey and we are allowed to share it. So the content I have found surrounding narcissistic abuse I will be sharing is by professionals and fellow survivors who have brought me so much comfort in knowing that we are not alone in this. So this podcast is meant to share, like I said, my experience, information I have found helpful, and the sources that you can use to check it out on your own and to share my feelings as I unpack this huge blow, as well as share content that, like I said, has helped me find answers and heal. So today we're going to be talking about love bombing and the holiday season. So let's uh, head into making sense. Oh, and yeah, I missed a couple shows. My family got COVID, so I'm, I'm convinced everybody is going to get COVID no matter what. If you're just going to get it. If you One way or the other, you're getting it again. So uh, we are now, thankfully, on the other end of it. So that was amazing and a blessing. So um, I am happy to be back, and I am recording from my uh, my office this week. So I am not doing a van entry journal. So I will see you on the flip side in making sense. So in this portion of making sense, it's where we make sense of a topic that has to do with narcissism and I'm going to talk about the holidays and love bombing in general. So love bombing is a term that you will hear commonly used when talking about narcissism, narcissistic abuse, uh, being experienced of, I believe it's part of the trauma bonding where if you think about a cartoon villain running up and stabbing you uh, like with their hateful words and actions and then they turn around and give you a present you know there's a confusion there that happens inside a normal person that's like oh okay so you just punched me with your words and deeds but now you're giving me a present oh that must mean you're you're sorry that must mean that you are um re- Repenting, or that you are apologizing, or you are trying to make it right with me. Oh, okay, that must mean that you're not gonna do it again. And then the narcissist turns around and hurts you, and then gives you a gift again. Or you have gone no contact with them, and they will come out of the woodwork, especially around the holidays, which we've talked about before. But what they will also do is 
when you go no contact and they don't have another supply, like let's say you were their last and only supply or their other new supplies just weren't as good as your supply, they will come back seeking your supply again. Because especially if they were discarded, they can't have that. They want to be the one to discard you. They can't have you be the one that discards them because then that they're not in control of that situation. So what they'll do is they'll sneak back in, they'll climb back up the ladder, they'll climb out of the bushes and start knocking on your door, sending you stuff in the mail, sending you emails, trying to get a hold of you. Um, so you'll run into that a lot. So um, this is just off from healthline.com. Just to put it more succinctly, <laughs> they will lavish you with gifts. Love bombing often involves over-the-top gestures, such as sending you inappropriate gifts to your job. I've had this happen. Um, dozens of bouquets instead of one, for example, or buying expensive plane tickets for a vacation and not taking no for an answer. All of this can seem harmless enough, but the point is to manipulate you into thinking you owe them something. That's the other part. Part of the love bombing is the transaction that is involved. In their mind, if they give you something, you owe them something. You didn't ask for their something, but they don't care. If they give it to you, you must reciprocate. And you must reciprocate within their terms and their expectations of you. That's how they feel. So most often love bombing is done by a narcissist with the intent of drawing in and gaining control over the person who is being love bombed. So um, another example is that they can't stop complimenting you. Um, a lot of people tend to really love and um, adore or crave admiration, but constant praise can make your head spin. If someone's expressing their undying love after just a short amount of time, it's a potential red flag that their feelings are not genuine because they are coming in hot, they're coming in heavy, and they want instant feeding. They don't want to go through the hoops of courting someone appropriately. They don't want to go through the time and, and the patience of dating someone and slowly getting to unwrap who that, pers press that person is they don't appreciate the journey of a relationship they want instant gratification instant results they do not care about the person they're in the relationship with they're only caring about what they can get out of that person in that relationship so love bombing helps them speed this up in their little creepy minds so they will buy you stuff and they will compliment you they will appeal to your ego and they will appeal to your desire of a tangible material things they will use these things against you which the, I, I personally think the best thing you can do is figure out what your language of love is. Obviously, I, I, there's a famous book out there that's like the seven languages of love or whatever. It's this languages of love book. I have one. I think every person that I've known that's been in a relationship at some point that was a little rocky has gotten that book. And it's actually very eye-opening. It helps you go through and figure out your language of love. Do, is it like service oriented? Do you like it when someone rubs your feet? Or do you like it when someone helps you alleviate chores around the house? Is that how somebody shows you that they love you? Or is it 
how um, you paying me the compliments? Is it through buying you things? You know, there's all these different languages of love. So definitely figure out your language of love so then you can make sure it's not being used and manipulated against you by a narcissist. Because once they figure out your language of love, they will overdrive. They will put that love bombing in overdrive because then they it cuts the guesswork out for them. They're like, oh, well, I don't got to compliment her because that's not the key to open up the door. I just got to buy her stuff. And then she'll open the door and I'll sneak on in. So the more you know about yourself, the more you will be able to um, see uh, an upcoming love bomb attack. So um, they will say stuff like, I love everything about you. I've never met anyone like you as perfect as you. You're the only person I want to spend time with. On their own, these phrases aren't necessarily harmful. But it is important to consider them in the larger context of someone's overall behavior. So, you know, the common cliche, are their actions lining up with their words? Are they telling you you're the only person I want to spend time with while also ghosting you randomly? If their words and their actions are not lining up, red light. Are they saying, I've never met anyone as perfect as you, but then they spend an entire week cutting you down, belittling you, pointing out all of your faults and comparing you to everyone else, but then telling you that they've never met anyone as perfect with you? Definitely a red flag. Are they saying, I love everything about you, while they say, I don't like how you look, I don't like what you're wearing, are you going to leave the house like that, I don't like your makeup, can't you look like that person over there? If their words and their actions or they're constantly trying to change you, you know, putting, picking out your clothes and your outfits for you and not letting you, you know, all these things. If they're not accepting you for you, but also telling you that they love everything about you, obviously red flag. They will also bombard you with phone calls and text messages. This is definitely a thing. This happens with um, parents. This happens with any narcissist. They will do these things things but on different levels based off the type of relationship you have with that person whether it be romantic or um, family or co-worker they narcissists will all play from the same playbook they will bombard you with phone calls and text messages they will message you over social media 24 7 they will f email you they any way they can get their little claws in you to somehow harass you constant communication is definitely normal when you're first dating someone but it's a red flag of the communication feels one-sided and becomes increasingly overwhelming take note if they begin texting you early in the morning and then every hour on the hour so if it's like they're constantly in your inbox or constantly in your text messages they're constantly leaving you voicemails that is over the top and that can lead a person especially someone like me as feeling like one they're putting out expectations they're like if i call you i expect you to answer if i text you i expect you to answer if i message you or email you i expect an answer so then i feel like this anxiety starts building like i'm not answering them and then when i finally do they're gonna attack me they're gonna be like why haven't you wrote gotten me back blah 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 so um, they will demand your attention 24-7 and they expect it from you. But if you try to, you know, have that approach towards them, if you try to get a hold of them and they don't answer back, that, that doesn't count. Nope. It's they, they can ghost you. They can ignore you. They can go no contact with you just to, to test the waters to see if, they'll, if you'll chase them. That's fine to them. But you better not think that you're going to have your own life 
and that you're not available 24-7 because you better be in the mind of a narcissist. They also will want your undivided attention. When your focus isn't on them, they will and can become angry. They can have that narcissistic temper tantrum. They can um, act a fool or they will go over the top. Narcissists don't care if their supply is negative. If the attention they get is negative or the attention they get is positive, they just want the attention, period. So it can look like pouting if you're on the phone with your friends or refusing to leave after you say that you have to be to work early the next day. They will prolong their exit. They will keep you up longer. Anything to show you that you are not in control of your life, that they are indeed in control of your life. They don't care about that. They will also try to convince you that you are soulmates, telling you that they've dreamed that God told them you two should marry is a manipulation tactic. <laughs> and this is the stuff that my mom um, had told my sister about her new husband, that my mom has this grandiose explanation of why it was okay for her to marry this dude that she knew for like less than six weeks and she married him within that six week window was because she prayed to God to send her a veteran. <laughs> and then she met this gentleman, her new husband, on my dad's, my, my deceased father's birthday. So that was a sign from God that she, that he was replacing her her deceased husband with a veteran on his birthday. Like she doesn't see the guy for who he is. And, but he fulfilled this fantasy role. And then that is the story that she tells everyone. And, um, I, I know this because my sister, when we were talking, that's another story entirely that is developing. Um, we, we will talk about siblings and narcissist, um, uh, in the next episode and how even though you, some of your siblings may escape the grips of the narcissist, if they're not fully um, no contact, you they can run the risk of getting sucked back in very easily. Hoovering is a thing. So, but when I was talking to my sister around September, that's when my mom had gotten remarried, um, she felt like she had to go to the wedding and when she went to the wedding, my mom made this entire statement out in front of everyone and was like, I pray to God for God to send me a veteran. And here he is. And I, and I know that it was heaven sent. And like, it's like the guy, I guess, just sat there and was kind of like boggled. Like, okay, I guess I'm. And part of this big narrative, you know, but then our, our censors were out on him too, because he was the one who proposed during that six week window of knowing each other. So weird. The, the verdict is out. They may very well both be narcissists and then get instantly feeding off from each other. Only time will tell on that, but um, they will they will convince you that you are soulmates. They will do this weird stuff like my mom was doing, you know, creating this entire fantasy story around meeting you. Um, they will say, we were born to be together. It is fate that we met. You understand me more than anyone. We're soulmates. You know, this creepy, weird stuff that um, if you lived a life um, searching for someone to give you that love and attention and adoration, it will be very easy to fall into their trap. It would be very easy to go, oh, you're 
right. Maybe, maybe we are. And I had an ex-boyfriend do this and, and he was a jerk. And now the more I know about narcissists, he also did a lot of love bombing and he also stalked me. And he would say, oh, we were meant to be. I have seen you for the last couple of years. I remember seeing you at the mall one day. I remember seeing you here and, and we were constantly crossing paths and, and now our friends know each other. It is meant to be. And I was young and dumb and just believed whatever and I came from a narcissistic home to begin with and I was definitely not getting any attention or affection or anything from in in that realm and I was like oh okay yeah that that seems believable no no honey no no honey no take your time do not run walk when you enter into relationships so you can figure out where they where they want this relationship to go, who they are, and who you will be when you're with them. That's a big thing because if you start losing yourself and you start carrying on the image of the person you're in a relationship with, that is, that's a red flag too. They will also get upset when you place boundaries. This is huge. This is huge. When you try to tell them to slow down, they'll continue to try to manipulate you to get what they want. Someone who legitimately cares, on the other hand, will definitely respect your wishes and they will back off. Love bombers also get very upset by the boundaries because they need access to you and they or you're accepting of their displays of love. Um, there's a... a person, it was a counselor named Westbrook that said that it's like a tsunami of affection and they expect you to accept all of it. <laughs> you just, you are not meant to have an identity when you're in a relationship with a narcissist. You are more or less just this warm body bag and they just want all of you. They just want to suck you dry. They want to stick like a straw in you and you're not allowed to tell them no. You must be available for them 24-7. And the toxic part of this that I've seen happen and a lot of times with um, people in romantic relationships and love bombing and stuff is um, when the narcissist breaks it off with a relationship with their with you, um, the the person in the relationship, it's almost like I've seen people get like. I don't know if the person is also. I don't know if both people were narcissists, but I I have seen the toxic reply, and I think it's part of that that um, trauma bonding though, where if the narcissist leaves the relationship and starts a new relationship. The person who is left behind almost acts like it is a new challenge to get the narcissist back into their life. It's this weird, toxic, and I believe that would have to be a trauma bond because they don't know life without the drama. And there's been studies being done on the chemicals in the brain with the constant hurt, reward, hurt, reward, hurt, reward. So it's your brain almost starts getting used to and getting trained to accept the hurt reward, hurt reward part of the trauma bond that when the narcissist actually does leave after they've used and abused you, you will feel somewhat um, uh, an, uh, how an addict feels on withdrawal. You will feel that 
craving for that serotonin and then there's the cortisol which is the stress hormone and it just bounces back and forth back and forth back and forth so I know there's a lot of studies on that like the chemical process in our brains that happen during this it's it, people really underestimate the damage of narcissists in in everyday life because if you told someone oh my boyfriend calls me all day long and um, is always checking in on me. Uh, the, uh, the average normie, we shall call them, the people have no idea what it's like to actually be abused by a narcissist. They will go, oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, it's so nice. I wish my, my person would do that for me. Um, but no, yeah, that's the problem with narcissism. It's a Especially coverts, it's that death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, that sounds great, but when you stack that like a little building block on top of the fact that they also don't respect your boundaries, they also are incredibly needy and need you 24-7, but do not give you access to them 24-7. And then when they also are trying to constantly convince you that you're soulmates, and then they're constantly wanting your undivided attention, like, yeah, one block here and there that's doable but when you start to stack the blocks and now all of a sudden there's a tower you turn around and you go whoa where did that come from and it's because over time they just keep adding blocks and then before you know it you are dealing with a tower of blocks and not just one or two blocks and that's what people that's the slippery slope of um getting sucked into um a narcissistic interaction relationship whatever so they also want commitment and they want it now they will pressure you into rushing things making big plans for the future that is what a lot of people will call future faking they will promise you things like marriage or moving in together or having kids and you've only known them for a teeny tiny bit of time watch out for those people if they are pushing you like let's say you have your own apartment and you meet this guy and he instantly is like, oh, you're my soulmate. Oh, I love you so much. We're perfect for each other. Look how great we get along. And then why? And then like a week later, he's like, hey, don't you think it'd be great if I never had to leave? Don't you think it'd be great if I never had to go home? I could just, you know, move in. We could do this together. I'll help you share your rent. I'll help you do all this. And we'll be like, it'll be great. You know, and for people who have um, been raised by narcissists and are, are like born people pleasers or do not have the energy in them to go, yeah, no, I, I, that's not what I really want out of this relationship. It's going too fast. If you try to say no to their little future faking and their, their um, commitment demands, you will see a narcissistic temper tantrum. They will lose it on you. What? I'm not good enough? What? You don't want to be with me? Why are we even together then? If you don't even want to live with me. Like, it's, it'll get crazy real, real fast. Then they'll start shaming you. Because if they can't get what they want from you, they will guilt you. And then and they will start the narcissistic dance. That's what I like to call it. They will jump. They will jump and see, or like the key to the door. You're the door, and they will swap keys to see which one opens you. They will use um, rage. They will use the rage key. They will use the guilt key. They will use the feel sorry for me victim key. Anything they can get to manipulate you into giving them what they want.
The thing to keep in mind, according to Westbrook, is that relationships take time to develop. So it is very unlikely that the person can actually really love you more than anything in the world in two weeks or two days or two hours or even two months, she explains. So yeah, that's that's the thing to remember that the words that they're saying, let's look at the logic in that. Can you really know someone in two days, two weeks, two months? No. Can you really, can they really know you? No. You can tell right there that they're not genuine because they are forcing something instead of letting it grow organically in love and in friendship and then grow from there. They're forcing it. Anything that has to be forced is not good. There's that hilarious meme that I saw on the internet that says love is like poop if you have to <laughs> Sorry if you get grossed out by the word poop. I always think it's funny. But love is like poop. If you have to force it, it's <laughs> it's not, it's probably not going to end up well for you. <laughs> you know, you'll end up sharding in your relationship. Like it, if, it, if it feels like love and, and it has to be forced, it's not love. It'll make a mess. Same with, um, you know, how the human body works. So um, I'm sorry if I just grossed you out, but it's a good analogy to me because you should never have to force anything in life. Um, if it's not, it's not genuine then. It's not what you think it is if you have to force it. They get upset when you place boundaries. When you try to tell them to slow down, they will continue to try to manipulate you to get what you want. Exactly. That's what I was saying. They will get upset by your boundaries. They will yell at you. They will do that, that, um, that narcissistic temper tantrum. They are also very needy. No matter how much time and access you give them, it never seems to be enough. But ask yourself, are you bailing on your friends because they can't stand to be alone? Or do you feel obligated to answer every text because they gifted you that expensive iPhone? Someone toxic will make you feel indebted to them so they can rely on you day and night. And also, do you feel overwhelmed by their intensity? This is, if your energy is not lining up with them, if you're a person that likes to take things nice and easy and this person comes in hot going, I love you, you're everything I wanted. And if you feel like taking a step back, like, whoa, whoa, where is this coming from? Listen to yourself and repeat yourself. Whoa, where is this coming from? And that is because you know it is not genuine. Anything that has to bust down your door, your proverbial emotion door, your personal space door, your respect door, anytime somebody comes in with a battering ram, verbal or physical, you need to check the situation and go, yeah, this isn't normal. This is not organic. This is not natural. This is not genuine. This is not authentic. This is, this is forced. This is intrusive. This is disrespectful. This is overbearing. So it is not patient, it is not kind, it is not gentle. Rebuke it. Also, if you feel unbalanced, being love-bombed can feel very intoxicating at first, but you might also feel a bit uneasy waiting for the other shoe to drop. So pay attention to those feelings, you know, pay attention. Make sure that you're not getting swept away. Make sure that you're not getting bought. Make sure that your affection and your attention are not being paid for by material objects that can break and wither and die. And then you have traded your serenity, your peace, your safety, your peace of mind, your health, your welfare for some inanimate objects. 
You are more, you are worth more than whatever a narcissist can buy you. Okay. Your peace and your serenity is worth more than whatever a narcissist can buy you. So the bottom line is to always remember that in the early stages of a relationship, if it is not moving at a speed in which you are comfortable with, abort. Pull the red little cord and jump out of that relationship. It is not worth um, the pain and heartache and trauma that you're going to go through if you don't jump now. Falling in love should be something that should happen organically. It should not be rushed. Do not let somebody force you to do something because you are so worried about hurting their feelings. No, you need to realize and be in tune with your feelings and go, you know what? I have a right to feel the way I feel and I'm going to honor myself and respect myself and I'm going to pass on this person. I'm going to pass on this relationship. I'm going to pass on this situation. So you can, um, if you are worried that your partner has crossed into this manipulative territory, try reaching out to someone on the outside. Um, go, you know, check with a mental health therapist or a family member that you really trust or a, a very trusted friend who can help, you know, gauge, hey, is this normal? But also consider the source of where you get your information. Do not go to people who are in toxic relationships and asking them for advice in your relationship because that doesn't work either. But Time and time again, you'll realize that when you're going down the wrong road in life, you knew about it before you chose to go down that road. But for whatever reason, if you were trying to please someone or whatever, um, you chose to keep going down that wrong road to either avoid rocking the boat, avoid hurting someone's feelings, avoid looking like a jerk, whatever. You, It is okay to look like a jerk because the truth needs no defense to be true. You, just because somebody thinks you are a jerk, you do not have to prove to them that you are not. Let them think you are. Does it, does it make you a jerk? Does, does someone's thoughts of you turn you into what they think you are? No, it does not. They can think you're rude. If you're not rude, let it flow. They can think you're being, you know, cold hearted to them and whatever. Hey, if you're not cold hearted and you know you're not cold hearted, let it go. They can think whatever they want of you. Thoughts are not facts. So you can hold firm in your truth, your ability to know who you are as a person and listen to yourself and do not settle for anything less than what you wanted for yourself in this life. And uh, you do not have to feel guilty about that. You do not have to feel guilty. We live in a society where people are constantly shaming people into staying in toxic relationships to avoid looking or sounding like a bad person. No. Nope. Not everybody is created equal. Not all parents are angels. Not all siblings are angels. Not all friends are angels. Not all significant others are angels. There are sucky people out there that have no intention on being nice and you don't have to waste your life uh, spending your life with them. So this is this has been making sense <laughs> we're going to be moving into my journey so far and then we'll be hopping into closing time i hope this has helped you and uh, i definitely have learned a lot along the way about all this <laughs> so it has definitely been eye-opening for me too so i will see you in me in uh, my journey so far Alright, my journey so far 
Um, so the last time I talked to you about the holidays and narcissists, I told you that narcissists will come out of the woodwork. And the one biggest narcissist in my life that comes out of the woodwork is my mom around the holidays. So I won't hear from her all year. When she got married in September, after knowing the guy for six weeks, um, she immediately started sending me um, announcement. First, I got like a pre-announcement announcement, announcement uh, to save the date for her marriage. And I know she was trying to smoke me out. I know she wanted me to go, oh, my mother's getting remarried. I shall stop this all at once. And obviously, I'm like, you're a grown woman. If you want to head first dive down into a, um, a relationship and get married to a dude you've known for six months, that's you. That's not my life. I want no contact with her for a reason. I'm living my life. She can live her life. What she does has no control over what I do. And I'm not going to turn into a person that I don't like. And that is the slippery slope I find my sister in right now. And since my mom has gotten remarried, my sister has not been so graceful in that regard. She immediately got angry. She got immediately got mad at my mom. She immediately had to re, uh, almost like re-acknowledge that my sister somehow is a, um, the better person in my mom's life. Like she's, she made references that really hurt my feelings. Like she threw me under the bus so quickly to my mom to go, look, I'm the daughter. I am the daughter that is keeping an eye on you. Well, it's because my, my sister's house and car is all underneath my mom's name. And she has some sort of pull over my sister. So when my, my mom got married and started sending me letters announcing her marriage but kept the truth from my sister right up until like my sister had to find out that my mom was getting married from like a neighbor that they shared uh, my mom never introduced the guy to my sister pre getting married and then all of a sudden invites my sister to her wedding where my sister then felt obligated to show up because she felt like if she didn't show up to this wedding then my mom would take her house away and take her car away like she's holding her hostage with these transactions that before we realized our mom was a narcissist my sister thought she was helping her out because my sister went through a divorce and through toxic um, narcissistic relationship of her own so then my mom comes in like she's some angelic savior and like I'm gonna save you I'll help you I'll help you I'll help you no Narcissists don't ever intend to help you. They will love bomb you with transactions, with things that look like love, but they are not love. They are prisons, little prisons, little little chains, little ball and chains that they stick on their victims to hold them there in that obligation feeling that love bombs feel like. Like, oh, well, they did this great things to me. I can't possibly not answer the phone when they call because, look, they helped me out. So it's, it's like a solidification of... Um, of guilt and shame and um, like you owe that person forever until you are not indebted to them or indebted to them. So my sister goes to this wedding and that's when the, what she, my mom does is she, oh, is your sister coming? She knows darn well. I have no intention of going to her wedding. She knows the last time we saw each other, I had to swiffer her out of my house 
and say, you are not welcome here. You need to go while she was yelling and screaming at us and pounding her fists on my kitchen table and yelling at us and calling us demons. <laughs> she knows this. But yet she is so delusional in her narcissistic dream world that she also likes to triangulate low key because she's covert and, and demanding from my sister who showed up. She acted like my sister showing up was chopped liver. And you know why? It's because she expected her to show up because of all the transactions and love bombing she does to my sister. But she, all she could do is go, is your sister? She kept asking my sister if I was coming. So what that does is a twofer for the narcissist. They know that their prison prisoner came because if they didn't, they would suffer the wrath of the narcissist. But then while she had her there, she wanted to use me as a weapon and show my sister, I don't care that you really came. I really care if your, your sister came, did the real, because I've always been her freaking target. I've always been the target daughter. As long as I'm married and have kids and a life that I have created separate from her and her transactions, I'm a freaking target. I'm up on that that pedestal. She has put me up in that golden child. I don't even know if it's golden because I get nothing out of it. I guess she, I, she showers my sister with things and I am the one that gets the slings and arrows, the, 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 the smear campaigns. But if you ask my sister, my sister thinks that I'm the golden child, but literally I'm the one who has been at the receiving end of my sister's attacks. And oh, one of my little nuggets opened the door. They thought I was talking to them and they forgot I was recording my podcast. So where was I? Um, yeah. So it's such a weird dynamic with siblings because I think they always think the grass is greener on the other side and they, they think if they're the ones who are being um, mentally abused or verbally abused that no one else is. And that's not the case. It's entirely different. And there'll be a time for a different episode, as I said earlier. But the love bombing can be also a form of a ball and chain. And that is what my sister's dealing with right now. All the love bombing that my mom has done with her in the past was just to keep her held prisoner. And since that marriage, my sister has turned against me. She has allowed my mom to re-triangulate us against each other without me even having to be in the, in the story. I'm literally not even talking to my mom, yet my mom has such an emotional control over my sister that just merely mentioning me or constantly questioning my sister about me puts a builds enough of a resentment plant like she puts a little seeds of resentment in there and then she just keeps watering it and sooner or later the friend that I had on my sister over a year has immediately turned on me within with it since my mom has gotten married because my mom used her marriage as a new weapon and I and I full-on expect before Christmas for her to rear her ugly head with her new husband because that is her new her new ammo now because she used to use my dad as a weapon against me um that's another thing I've I've heard from my sister she has witnessed I will save that for another episode too but so this love bombing around the holiday season has many different looks so so far this is what my mom has done was since we last talked I told you she will be coming <laughs> And I told you my sister gave her my freaking phone number. And I'm telling you, I, okay, I'm just going to say I'm 99.9% .9 sure because only six people have my phone number and that's my in-laws and they all know that I'm not talking to my mom and they don't even talk to her. 
And my mother-in-law ran into her and she already swore, I knew better. I would never give you or her my phone number. And she wouldn't. I trust her. So, because she's not one to want to get involved in other people's drama. She would never, she would just play dumb and be like, yeah, you know, whatever. So, I know <laughs> darn well it was my sister. Because the minute my mom got married, she started acting different towards me. Like, it was a, a competition again. It was like, oh, now I have to prove myself to be better than my sister again. Because my mom kept going to my sister. Yeah, I keep telling... I, I'm going to call her my mom's new husband, Bob. His name is something else, but I'm not going to call it. I'm going to use his real name. She kept going, yeah, I'm telling Bob. I'm telling Bob um, how funny your sister is. How hilarious she is. What a funny person that they're both burned in December. And they have so much in common. I just keep telling him about that. And, I, you know, she kept saying this. And this stuff is going into my sister's head. And it is reigniting that triangulation, that 20 years of mental abuse that my mom did on my sister and, and on me. I, for some reason, can see through the fog of hate, jealousy, resentment. But also I have Christ in my heart. He removes all of that nonsense. I don't have to prove myself to anybody because I feel, I feel content in my identity as a child of Christ. I don't feel like I have to compete with anybody because I'm a Christian. I've told you that before. So that is how I have survived this narcissistic abuse is purely from the guidance and healing that, that God has given me. And you can be on your own spiritual path. I'm just telling you what has saved me and who has saved me. Well, my sister is on a different stair. She's on her own path in life. She is on her own spiritual path in life. And apparently... She still is weak to jealousy, still is weak to these, this manipulation, this mental abuse that my mom has. And I can't dive in there and save her. I have been hurt so many times by my sister who my mom has weaponized against me. I have been kicked out on the street by my sister. She has stolen my wedding ring and claimed all these things she denies. But, they were, but she did them. <laughs> Her and her husband at the time did it. But we have found out that it was my mom whispering in her ear, weaponizing her against my husband and I and my family. You know, they have done, um, put all of our belongings on a trailer before and, and let them get rained on and then frozen into ice blocks and then delivering them to it. Like it was a whole 20 years worth being kicked out of her wedding. You know, she invited me into a wedding when we were younger at her first marriage. And then all of a sudden, all I know is I'm kicked out. I'm out. And I was planning her bridal, her bridal shower. I was planning her all these things. And all of a sudden, I'm out. And her friend Shelly is in. And I never, to the until we started talking again, realized that my mom had told her, Oh, your sister said this about you. So back then, when my sister in her early 20s, she believed she was still under the control of my mother and she kicked me out of her wedding. So my mom has always been able to manipulate my sister to do things to harm me all the time. And I still forgave, I forgive my sister. I forgive my mom. I don't trust them. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. I forgive them. I understand why they're doing these things, but I do not agree with what they're doing to me. And I have now gone no contact with both of them because I have to respect my boundaries and I have, and loyalty is very big for me. Loyalty and trust is huge. And, but I will not let the darkness in someone else turn me 
hateful and, and angry and dark as well. That's not my baggage. I'm gonna, that's their baggage. They can deal with it. Um, so love bombing takes so many different forms around the holidays. So now my mom, I got off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's still useful information. I have, so she gave me her, she gave my mom my phone number. My mom tried calling me. I immediately blocked it. So then guess what? I get a message through my email that a next door, you know, the next door app. I never, I signed up for it like years ago, but I never like actually put in my, all of my credentials. Like my name was in there, but I've never engaged in the app. I created an account. My mom searched me on the Nextdoor app, found me, and immediately tried to be a contact for me. Requested to be a contact, like requested to be my friend on the Nextdoor app. Like, so you would think, why is this girl's mom? Doesn't she get the hint? Doesn't she understand that her daughter is not? Yeah, she gets it. She does it to irritate me. She's like, oh, I'm just gonna keep trying to contact her, trying to get to her, just trying, 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 because at the end of the day, narcissists want a reaction. And they want, she's looking for something to give her new husband against me. She's like, she wants me to go, she wants me to either lash out at her so she can play the damsel in distress to him, or she wants me to, in her weird fantasy world, wants me to pretend that none of these awful things have happened my entire life. And just because that's what she said in her, her card to when she got married was, I just want us all to put this in the past. I want to start fresh and new with my new life. I'm thinking, yeah, you would love that. You would love to pick up your kids again and pretend that you are a normal mom and pretend that none of the crap that you have done to us in our entire life has ever happened. You would love that. But guess what? I don't live in fairy tale la la land. I live in the reality. The reality is you suck. <laughs> You've been not a nice person and I'm not buying what you're selling. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so she is trying to reach me on the next door app. And I immediately went and blocked her on Facebook. And I have a Facebook, but I don't, I don't really use it. I had to have it for my kids' school and all in church and stuff like that. It's nice to be able to keep up on like local events and stuff like that on Facebook. But it's just such a, a dumb platform now. It's just like getting worse and worse. So I have that. So I went right ahead. I found her and her new husband because she made a new account with this new husband and it's like, I'm a new person. So I immediately blocked her ahead of time so I won't even have to deal with that. My sister, unprovoked, had already went and blocked me on Facebook, the soft block where you just make it so that people can only see like what you post publicly. I noticed that, I'm like, oh, she's setting her walls up against me. I've literally done nothing to this girl. She is, I, my mom is winning again. She is turning the tide of my sister and my sister, sadly, after getting along fantastically all the way up until my mom got married, it's like something triggered something in, in my sister's head and now she's, she's backsliding again. Like we are, okay, I guess we're not friends now. I don't know what has changed. <laughs> Okay, here, I guess here we are. I guess this is where we're at. So um, that's unfortunate, but whatever. I guess I'm just going to, you know, she'll do her thing. And so now my mom has uh, love bombing started sending me Christmas cards 
she sent them a good uh, two weeks early and my husband and I both looked at each other and he goes oh your mom is sending us Christmas cards with gift cards and stuff and presents for the kids like um, gingerbread houses because she knew that that was the one thing when we didn't know that she was being evil to us behind her back that's the one thing she would love to do was all through our childhood make gingerbread houses for all the little kids it was like her way to showboat her talent and skills to all the family come to my house we are going to make gingerbread houses and she would make it a big affair and from the outside if you didn't know that she was a covert narcissist and she was doing this to showboat and be on stage and to look like this amazing, heartful, loving person, heartfelt, loving person who go out and want to make this fairy tale Christmas. Yeah, it looks nice, but covert narcissists tend to do that. They tend to blend in very nicely with all these open door and look at what I can do, look what I can do. And people just go, oh, well, she's just really good at that. No, she, there, there's always an underlying thing. Narcissists never do anything if they're not getting something out of it. She was definitely getting some supply out of doing this stuff. So she immediately sends gingerbread house kits to my house. So if I were to tell someone, yeah, my mom, my mom's so evil, she sent gingerbread kits to my house, I'd be like, what? It's not evil. Well, <laughs> if I had to go and unpack 20 years of craziness to back up why this is evil, that's the dirty, dirty dog nature of a covert narcissist. They stab you with sugar on the blade. That's what they do. So thankfully I can educate my kids why grandma's doing this. It's to throw salt on a wound. It's to go, look, grandma's nice now. She's love bombing you. They know what love bombing is now. I, I don't, they're going to be able, hopefully take this knowledge and bring it forth in life. Cause nobody taught me what a true narcissist was back then. But you know what? Back in the eighties, Back in the 80s, I'm going to be 42 this week. My birthday is the 23rd. I'm I, Back then, nobody knew this. It was just people were in love with themselves. Oh, they're self-centered, self whatever. No, it's a freaking personality disorder. We're learning more and more and more and more about it every day. And me as a Christian, it is in direct opposition of the Ten Commandments. Everything the Ten Commandments says is everything a narcissist does. Can't tell me that there's not some sort of spiritual connection between the dark nature of a narcissist and then the dark nature of the beast, whatever you believe the negative is in this world. There's a direct correlation in the behavior. And it's so, you can, it's textbook now. You can tell their plays ahead of time. Once you map it out and you really learn about narcissists, you can see, you can see foreshadowing of their behavior. So it started with the phone call, then it goes into requesting you to be friends on the next door app. This is all around Christmas, of course, and my birthday. That's another thing because I'm a, she calls me her Christmas baby. I was pedestaled at a young age around Christmas. My sister would take be taken off the pedestal. I would be put up on the pedestal. So around Christmas time, my mom hits me heavy because in her magical world I was the Christmas baby she puts her identity into me around Christmas time and then she love bombs me with the constant love bombing oh you're my my precious Christmas baby and you know what that does to my sister it makes my sister hate me even more because every Christmas my mom would elevate me to some sort of sainthood against my will and make it all about me 
even though I still got shafted on the present side, I will get the blended, here's your Christmas pussy present, which sucks as a kid, let's be honest. But as an adult, I'm like, whatever, I don't care, I'll just go get what I want because I have a job and I'm an adult. But when you're a little kid, it doesn't, it doesn't help. So, you know, the love bombing for me, and especially around Christmas time, is extra. So now then she's sending me boxes of chocolate for my birthday and a card that lights up and plays music and all this love bombing, you know, so it can go into my, my little girl heart and go, look, your mommy is still sending you stuff. She still loves you. She's like, uh-uh, my mom does not love me. I have to tell myself that creature is not my mom. The mom that I thought I had growing up does not exist in physical form. It does not. She had tricked me, bamboozled me my entire life. She, when I was a little girl, I, she probably did love me in some way. But when you, the older you get in a narcissist parent's life, the more they resent you and then they start competing with you and then they just want to body swap you. They just, they project their inner identity out onto you and anything that they say is not tr the truth. So it is so confusing to a person. Thankfully, I am, my feet are firmly planted on a foundation that is not my mom and is not of this world that I can stand strong against the storm that the narcissist brings to me every holiday. And I really hope that you find your strength and your peace in these narcissist love bombing storms every time they come your way. I hope you do find that peace that passes all understanding. I really hope you do because you can weather the storm of holidays. You can weather the love bombing storms of the narcissist. They all look different, but at their core, they're all driven. The gas in their car of love bombing is all the same. They, they all expect to get something from you, something out of you. So that has been my journey so far. Right now we are in the love bombing stage and I'm going to tell you right now, I plan she's going to stop by my house with her new husband at some point. That's why my husband says, oh, she's sending us these early. Now he's learning a lot too now because his eyes had to be open too. And now he peels back the layers and he's like, whoa, I, I knew your mom was different, but now I know. Okay. You know, <laughs> so he's like, she's sending this stuff early so that she can lubricate a further, uh, future interaction. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what she's doing. You know, so that's where I'm at. And uh, we're going to move into closing time. All right. Now when we are closing up episode eight, um, I hope that each episode I record definitely helps someone else who may be going through a similar situation or know someone who has. It can be very discouraging to many because we often feel guilty for airing the dirty deeds done to us by others. We can be guilted or shamed into not speaking out. We live in a society where, oh, you're supposed to love everybody all the time and always, you know, the Bible even will say, turn the other cheek. Yeah, forgiveness is not trust. Nowhere does it say lay down and be walked on for eternity. Nowhere. And in our society, they're like, oh, well, you should be happy that you have a mother. My mother, da, da, da. You know, like, no, everybody's life is different. Everything is circumstantial in this world. Do not let people broad brush your 
life and your experiences and try to box it up and label it something because it is entirely different. Each one of our journeys in life is entirely different. It may smell a little like someone else's, look a little of the same shade as someone else's, play the same elevator music here and there as someone else's, but it is not 100% ever the same, okay? So do not let someone shame you into silence. To You are not a bad person for talking about what people have done to you. You are not giving their names, you are not giving their addresses, you are not calling for violence and and retaliation. You are merely standing up and using your God-given voice to tell someone what you have gone through for healing, for yourself, and for others who are sitting in silence and suffering in silence. Do not let someone shame you into silence. So if you have a story of your own that you would like to share, you can email the show at IWasHornSwoggled at gmail.com or you can head to my website, I was hor- or it's HornSwoggledPodcast.com. It's, um, yeah, and there's a place that you can record a message to and there's also a contact form. And if you want to help support the show... Um, call in with my record message or email or leave a review on iTunes or tweet me on Twitter at Hornswogglepod, all that, all that. Don't let someone shame you into silence. And until next time, have a great day and God bless. Bye-bye.